0: Welcome to the Disney Animated Canon Ball. I'm Tom Lee, he him, and I'm Fox Lee, she her. We are on a quest, a quest to watch all of the movies designated as the Disney Animated Canon, and tell you about them
1: <laughs> one by one. One by one.
0: This episode, we are talking about 1973's Robin Hood.
1: Let's get furry.
0: This is the ship that launched a thousand furries. It's true. Yeah, it's true. If it, if it wasn't Princess Sally, it was Robin Hood. That's just how it works. Robin Hood predates Princess Sally by like 10, 15 years? Yeah, but all 90s kids saw both. <laughs> what if I told you that there were furry kids in the 70s?
1: Yeah, but obviously not talking about them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sounds fake. First up, before we get too deep about this particular movie and the many fetishes it inspired, (laughs) it's time to cover the plot in 60 seconds. And you have a hard one this time, Fox, because this actually has a plot.
1: Oh, it's my turn? Yes. Well, it's a plot that I've seen a million times, so bring it on.
0: Your time starts now.
1: Robin Hood is an infamous rogue who is stealing money from Prince John who is a bad prince because he's not the real king, and he loves money. So he's taxing peasants. Peasants have a lot of money to tax, you understand. Anyway. Uh, so- <laughs> I'm gonna do so badly with this. Uh... After a fun opening scene where we get to know our heroes, they are conned into attending an archery tournament so Robin can win the hand of his childhood love.
0: 30 seconds.
1: (laughs) Who, uh... uh, You scuttled me by telling me I had 30 seconds left. That's evil. (laughs) Uh, Who comes back to his hideaway to celebrate for a night and then vanishes so we can finish the plot where everybody has been thrown in jail and Robin Hood and Little John have to break them out and escape without dying in time for King Richard to get back and fix everything.
0: Wow. Wow. Like, I didn't think you were going to pull that one out, but yeah.
1: <laughs> Look, it got messy. I'm not going to lie. It was dicey.
0: Yeah. Well, you don't...
1: I, I may have cut some parts that I enjoy.
0: Look, you don't want to win that way. You know, it's, it's, it's just that the form is terrible. <laughs> just all over the place, full of running, full of legs. There was interference. Arse up head over trowel, but you've got it done, and it's all about, in the end, winning the game, isn't it?
1: So i am apparently been told. Hey, Fox, what's your relationship to this movie? Uh, this was my favorite movie until I discovered Star Wars in high school. <laughs> uh, I adore this. It has been a formative influence on my life, including the bits of my life that are not appropriate for children. (laughs) I have a crush on Robin Hood's voice, Um, and uh, re-watching it today specifically for the purpose of analyzing it reminded me how many bits of it just became part of my vernacular. Yeah. Uh, this is, (laughs) this one is deep in my DNA. Boy, oh boy. Uh, you-
0: Um, I think I saw it in Chopped Up Bits. It's one of those ones where segments of it get shown in other things fairly often. And it was somehow old enough and safe enough that I think I watched (laughs) all of it, just never all in one piece during my time at church.
1: Yeah, it's not sort of threatening the same way that a lot of them might have been, which is hilarious given how many people got fetishes from this movie.
0: Yeah, and (laughs) when you know that music control was a big deal in my community, it is really wild that I basically got to watch a musical written by Roger Miller. (laughs)
1: Yes, it's something I would never have noticed at the time is that he also wrote most of these songs. Yeah. Uh, of course, I didn't know that he was a country singer back in the day, so that all makes a lot of sense in retrospect.
0: Oh, yeah. He, yeah. Uh, Ro- Roger Miller wrote King of the Road.
1: Yeah, yeah oh, I know that now. <laughs> I know that. I was always like, oh, wow, that guy's got a really... His voice has so much character in it. Wow.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I I love that we... I love that Milt Carl eventually got to do his damn handsome rooster. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this, I did mention this several times when we had our Chanticleer discussion, but I'm, I'm convinced now that Alan and Dale in this movie is a direct result of that pitch.
0: His milk car slamming oh his hand down on the drawing pad, going, I'll make it happen.
1: <laughs> well, he's he's kind of out of type with everyone else, right? He's a little odd. Like, it's because it's he's sort of Troubadour style, I suppose, but... Yeah. It, uh, it still, still doesn't uh, do much to dissuade me from thinking that the reason you make Dale a rooster out of nowhere and you give him them big puffy sleeves and everything.
0: I would point out, if you want to see about, like, you know, weird on, uh, like, how out of type Dale is, look at how all the rabbits and raccoons and mice are all, like, proportionate to one another oh, as terms right. of animals. Yeah, Dale is enormous! <laughs> Yeah,
1: most of the other animals are generally in scale. I mean, the rhinos and elephants aren't really as big as they should be, but and they're the still big. And, yeah, yeah.
0: S- same thing. Whereas, yeah, you're right. The, yeah, Alan a Dale is just this towering leviathan <laughs> of a rooster. Anyway, hey, Fox, got anything for the double take?
1: <laughs> uh, I'm going to be honest, most of my double takes for this one are like, triple takes because they're things that I I know I didn't know at first but I have since seen this movie enough times that I I had worked out most of them (laughs) before now but I I have a choice selection of them (laughs) displaying to tell on the wide fan of note cards in my hand
0: (laughs) shuffle shuffle shuffle
1: uh let's see we'll start with don't talk about the crusades (laughs) don't know what that is when you're six Uh, I, I, I'm going to actually, alongside that, uh, something I did notice this time. Or rather, I, I remember the line, but I never processed it. They imply that Sir Hiss is responsible for the Crusade. Yes! Sir which Hiss! Is wild!
0: Sir Hiss causes the Crusades. I love
1: it. To get rid of King Richard. <laughs> to get rid of King Richard. <laughs> Sir Prince John
0: can have money. I would like to point out this makes Sir Hiss, like, in absolute body History's count terms, greatest monster one of the worst people in the entire Disney animated canon. And that's a canon that includes at least one time-traveling sorcerer. <laughs> he's he's, ooh, ooh, he's a bad guy. <laughs>
1: Let's see, double take. The idea of using hypnotism to cure a psychosis. Yeah. That's kind of a cute reference now. Obviously that sailed over my head. Because yep. like, hypnotherapy, not a big thing to a child's understanding, but... yeah. Only on this rewatch did I realize that he's suggesting hypnotherapy to, to fix your bad habit.
0: Yeah, and at the time, in the 90s, that was debunked pseudoscience at that point. Which, you know, and <laughs> your know, cognitive behavioral therapy at this point is like, hey, look, you know, some things might do something good. It's complicated.
1: And in the 70s, that would have been all the rage.
0: Well, yeah. <laughs>
1: like, like a magical fix for objectionable personal qualities. Yep. I don't know if it's really a double take, but I, I'm putting it here because I don't know where else I would talk about it. There's a point where the sheriff tells Friar Tuck to save his sermon because it ain't Sunday. Mm hmm. We went to church on Saturday. So yeah. as a child, I was like, what is he talking about? Yeah. Just just a weird childhood thing. Actually, I should have put that in with a big bunch of stuff that was like, this is American shit that I didn't understand.
0: Super American.
1: Uh, we'll talk more about that later. I definitely didn't know what an outlaw for an in-law meant at first. <laughs> Pretty sure I asked my mom to explain that to me at some point because it seemed hilarious in the movie. But
0: The joke's uh, so nice, really, they told yeah. it twice
1: i definitely didn't know what being pardoned meant <laughs> <when little laughs> talk, he says that's a gas we ain't even been arrested yet i did also not know what that's a gas wouldn't <laughs> these were strange words coming out of the funny bear man this is one that you noted to me when we were watching the scene where they declare a pox on the phony king of England. Yeah. which i don't know what it is but it sounds kind of like an f so, to me, for the longest time, and on many car trips where we sang along with my cassette tape of, uh, uh, of here is a version of all the Robin Hood songs sung by a children's choir because Roger Miller was not fucking getting paid to perform <laughs> it. It became a fox on the phony king of England. <laughs> I assume that just meant Robin Hood jumping on him and punching him, maybe. I don't know. What's a pox? <laughs>
0: See, I, a good Christian, knew what poxes were. Those were things that were inflicted upon people who stole the Ark of the Covenant.
1: <laughs> you you would have had quite a few archaic words yeah. that, that I wouldn't have had yet, in fact. And I have I have a whole list of those. <laughs> and uh, while well, while we're in that song, actually, Too Late to be known as John the First. That's a great line that yeah. I didn't understand as a child. At the fuck all
0: <laughs> We'll uh don't, don't let me disillusion you about how good a line that is, but you're going to find something about that line's genesis.
1: Alright, alright,
0: alright. So, so this movie expanded your vocabulary in a way it didn't mine.
1: Oh yeah, now that we're done with those double takes, I have a whole list of words that I know I heard for the first time in this movie.
0: Alright, go for it.
1: Hanging. In debt. Hubcaps. Charity. To coin a phrase... Dunce.
0: The list continues on like this for some time. I, uh... I obviously have no double takes, because this is the first time I've seen this movie in its entirety. Though, I did have a moment of like, Ah, yeah, damn, that's Roger Miller, isn't it?
1: (laughs) (laughs) That is, apparently, Roger Miller. (laughs) You also covered me on something that might have been a double take, I guess, but I was going to ask one way or another. Uh... Because people may have heard the opening music in this movie yeah. elsewhere, mm. like in very annoying 90s internet phenomena. Uh huh. And, uh, I was always very cranky at that at the time because damn if I was gonna let the opening theme from Robin Hood be known as the Hamsterdam song. But I'm guessing this might be a folk tune. It's a Roger Miller tune. Oh, it's just one of his songs. Yeah. yeah, okay, that makes sense.
0: It's called Whistle Stop. Yeah, I, I've never heard lyrics to it. I've only ever heard him perform it, whistling. Yeah, I don't like, know
1: if it has lyrics. Uh,
0: but it's always been in my mind like a train song, like a thing that gets played alongside trucks and trains. It could be that he made it for this. Like he wrote a lot of, he wrote a bunch of the songs for this movie. It's entirely possible Whistle Stop was made for this movie, and he subsequently went and did uh, other things with it.
1: Could be. But why is it called Whistle Stop then? Yeah. It sounds like a train song. It's such
0: a train thing. <laughs>
1: yeah. Which is, it's going to be a theme for this movie. Just, uh, this, this movie with a very distinct, probably the most distinct location out of any Disney movie ever. They narrow it down to a town. A town that exists. A town that, e- yeah. Not Still. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, which is definitely, definitely, definitely in England. But. The music for this film is so American, it's amazing.
0: Breathtaking.
1: (laughs) They're not even pretending. Though they do at least have English accents on not just one, but several main characters.
0: And now, with that out of the way, shall we go to the Yikes Door?
1: Yeah, looks like we gotta get the Yikes Door out of the way before we can get on with this. I
0: don't have a lot for what it's worth.
1: This is one of our less yikesy uh, Disney
0: films of this era, for sure. It's definitely got some stuff that when you notice it, it's very clearly there. But it's not nearly as violently objectionable as you'd see in, like, just the previous outing, for example.
1: <laughs> yeah, like, we're, we're leaning into some problematic stereotypes, but we're not putting them front and centre and then, like showing them again from different angles to make sure everyone definitely, definitely got that you were making fun of Asians.
0: In this case, uh, culturally, my main point here is that the guards in the service of the king have no agency. They are all fungible objects. They never say any words, none of them, and they are all African animals. Oh, This is not like, you know, crypto-fascist encoding. It's just when they were making the animals for this kind of thing and they made them serve this particular set of purposes, they just happened to choose a variety of animals that are all African, and the the reaction to that is sort of like, well, no, that's a bit odd. Like, th- your brain went there.
1: Like, I'm sure it's more about these uh, big, scary, powerful animals that we could bring to mind immediately. Yeah! Uh, with, of course, Bear already being taken by one of their main characters. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's not super cool that it pans out that way. I will say the wolves are not specifically African. Oh, I forgot about the wolves entirely. Um, My my main note of Yikes was going to be the... um. Look, we have some heroic cross-dressing in this movie. Yeah. It's not nearly as bad as you would expect it to be, frankly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we I I kind of love, in fact, that Little John doesn't even like do a voice or whatever. No! <laughs>
0: he just puts on some tits. Yeah, and and, and similarly, <laughs> I I am hesitant to criticize the cross-dressing in this, because there's a lot of stuff and language around cross-dressing in media that is done that plays into a whole variety of different transphobia. Whereas in this, they you know tacitly skirt a bunch of it
1: yeah yeah that's i mean that's what i'm saying it's surprising how non-yikesy it is Mm. but it is still deceitful cross-dressing uh if that's an upsetting thing for you to encounter which is reasonable If it is. Like for some people that's a deal breaker and I respect that.
0: There's also a common trope when it comes to cross dressing, where a cis male will cross dress as a woman and immediately pass effortlessly and be regarded as very hot. Which I understand from a number of trans women tends to be very grating. (laughs) Because it kind of undersells how difficult actual presentation in that way is. Um, and like the only alternative is what do these two practice this a lot? Is this something they are meant to be good at? Because they're not presented that way.
1: Uh, I don't know. It feels to me like like a bit because they were ready to do this at like the drop of a hat. Like I get the impression they've done this before.
0: Yeah, that's definitely true. And also, like just in terms of like projection and tone, if it turns out that yeah, Robin Hood cross dresses, like that's like the least surprising folk hero thing you could tell me. <laughs>
1: He does a lot of disguises, and one of them being female is not a big deal uh, to him, which is kind of cool.
0: Yeah. Uh, It it, it only gets to happen in this movie because it's funny, obviously, but... It's funny, but the cross-dressing is not the object of the joke.
1: Huge, saggy tits are the object of a joke. Yeah. But huge, saggy tits are funny, so... I am fine with that.
0: And, and more more of that great big bulgy Disney <laughs> ass. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, I told you to look out for that in this one. Yep. <laughs> uh but no, the the actual yikesy bit of that I was going to bring up is that Robin's disguise in particular is definitely ooh, yeah. It is a fortune teller of uh no fixed address yeah. racial stereotype uh yep. design. Once again, not played especially heavily. It's Broadly, the visuals are based on that, uh, but it's not played hard or remarked upon, and even though he's doing a voice, it's not, like, an upsetting accent voice or anything. No. So, once again, much better than you expect it to be, but, you know, they still get a minor yikes. I've got my eye on you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
0: We might need several images of Robin Hood cross-dressing just to make sure he's doing it <laughs> authentically, I guess. Anyway.
1: I don't believe... This movie gave me my cross-dressing fetish, but I'm sure it didn't hurt.
0: There is also like a sort of libertarian yikes, which is taxes themselves get demonized. Like the <laughs> idea of taxes is seen as bad.
1: Yeah, yeah. Look, um, I'm, I'm actually going to hold this off to talk about during our main subject, if you like. Because yeah. I have a few thoughts on Robin Hood and how this story is reframed compared to the original.
0: Oh, oh, you have notes? I have have notes. notes. I have
1: notes. But first, before we leave the cross dressing scene, I just want to say I also adore the bit where Little John tries to bail and Robin holds him up by the huge, (laughs) saggy titties. One hand right in the middle of each, like, no, 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 come on. It's great. I love this Robin Hood. He's so down for a good time. He's not just a hero, he's also fun.
0: Yes, which is a big thing. Like, I don't mean this in a cruel way, but most depictions of Robin Hood I've seen in my lifetime have been some variety of boring prick or complete <laughs> asshole.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. They have a hard time balancing the sort of trickster hero idea with not just being a shit. Yeah. And like one of the things I like about this one is that we don't see him meeting the various people who join. Yeah. Because all of those origin stories... Uh, just kind of like they meet and they're assholes to each other for a while. Yeah. And those are the least interesting bits of this story.
0: Yeah, it helps to remember that Robin Hood as a story is thousands of small stories. Oh, yeah. yeah. That have been collapsed together into a canon. Um, various characters, like, if you grew up with this movie, you might not know who the fuck Will Scarlet is. No, in
1: fact, I never did.
0: Yeah, and but at the same time, if I was to describe the, as it were, anime of Robin Hood... Will Scarlett would be the character Fox would normally be like, <laughs> oh yeah, he's cool. But yeah, that's true. But they in this they I have a I have a pet theory about why most live action depictions of Robin Hood suck. And it's because Robin Hood is a central character so you get a leading kind of role. And that means that you inevitably get actors who are rarely willing to demonstrate that their character is weaker than someone or or reasonably afraid of someone. And in this Robin Hood is afraid of getting hurt and is wily and quick because he has to be, because there are people around who are bigger and stronger. And when you have like one of the origin stories you get is he fights, uh, he fights little John on the river and little John cleans his clock multiple times and Robin (laughs) Hood wins once And that's enough to tip the story and change the context of what's going on. No one wants to play, as their leading man role, the guy who gets dunked 20 times. It
1: has historically gone to actors who are a bit full of...
0: Yeah, no one wants to be the guy who swings a punch into the guard's face and the guard just goes, and?
1: And unlike some Robin Hoods, this one speaks with a British accent. Yes, that's a little in joke for real 90s kids
0: there. With that, I believe we can close the Yikes door for now.
1: I I think we're done with it. We may have to revisit it later if we come up with something else, but that's all I got. Oh, what time is it?
0: Eyelash watch.
1: Uh, No boys have eyelashes in this, ever. Even Little John, when he's saying, you're thinking of somebody with long eyelashes. Wrong. Wrong?
0: Yep. Robin has eyelashes
1: oh the super close-ups don't count
0: he's a bird (laughs) hey when he's a
1: bird he's got eyelashes as the store yes i missed it i've been beaten at my own game
0: this has been eyelash watch
1: eyelashes when he's a bird but crucially not eyelashes when he's a girl (laughs) i kind of do birds have eyelashes? I
0: love it. I haven't looked at a bird's face in a long time. No, birds don't don't have hair, Talon. I don't think they do, but maybe they have something that looks like an eyelash. I don't know. It's just so fucked up. Man, you messed up with your disguise big time. (laughs) It's wild. Next up, we have Swaggle Watch, a section (laughs) that is rapidly getting less and less useful as it just becomes (laughs) let's talk about the animation this time.
1: Uh, Astute listeners may recall uh, several episodes ago. Actually, no, it would have been in the second season now because some of these have finally been posted. Uh, Hi, listener. We live in a different timescape to you. Woo! But uh, you may remember me telling Talon that I was certain there was at least one Swaggle that was on a <laughs> dignified character. And yes, King Richard himself ends
0: this movie with a Swaggle. This movie begins and ends with Swaggles. <laughs> it's true. And of course, we have
1: Swaggle Magnet Phil Harris uh, yep. as a major character in this. So we're going to be seeing them a lot. I believe our lead villain... Does at least a few swaggles. Uh-huh. Maid Marion does one. Maid Marion does a beautiful lady-like mischief swaggle when she's clowning around with the kids. While she's laughing. While she's So laughing. her shoulders are moving as well. <laughs> Lady Cluck swaggles. Oh, fuck me. Lady yeah. Cluck.
0: Oh, she's a queen. I love this woman. <laughs> the animator who was responsible for Lady Cluck, or team of animators. I don't know what the structure is like <laughs> at this point. Whoever they are, they had some fun. <laughs>
1: uh, I have a note on this later. Uh, where I don't know that the answer to that for sure, but I suspect this is another one like The Jungle Book where we were divided up by sequences. Because mm. I don't know if you noticed the way I noticed after having seen this 15 million times, <laughs> but the third act with the jailbreak and everything, characters look remarkably different if you're used to how they look otherwise.
0: I would not say I noticed that. If- I did notice that the third act had a number of sequences where if not the animation was directly repeated, it was repeated, flipped, and mirrored, or it was repeated in different outfits.
1: Yeah, yeah, we definitely saw some repeats and some reuse, absolutely. We also are just, if you compare them, uh, Robin becomes a lot longer and pointier in the snout. Mm. He takes a lot more of that, like, classic cartoon fox look, uh, which is played down a bit in the opening scenes. Yeah. Uh, I definitely don't think it looks as good, but that's a matter of opinion, I guess. Uh anyway, and and I suspect after hearing you talk about The Jungle Book that this might be why that it was just a different team who was doing that entire section.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And- also, basically no swaggles in the third act, even it's though true. they were
1: all over the place in the first act.
0: Yeah. And look, if you're going to stra- if you're going to make a strong first impression, that's how you do it.
1: Oh sure. And that's when you want it because that's when we're getting to know our characters and deciding whether or not we like these people. Fire is the new snow.
0: Yeah, the fire in this was pretty shaky.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I racked my memory for, for trying to think of had they done fire better than this previously. Like, there's a lot of fire in the jungle book. I should remember how it looked, but I, I don't.
0: I really don't either. Anyway,
1: they clearly had a rough time with it.
0: And the fire in Sleeping Beauty is unnatural and green and foamy.
1: It is true, but it's like it's still got a lot of the same visual quality of this. I don't think they've come a long way since then. Yeah. I mean, you know, I get it, fire is fucking hard. It's <laughs> Super hard. It's
0: definitely harder than snow. There is a certain number of things that artists, when they're learning, will tell you are the hardest thing, and they're all right. <laughs> it's it's, true, it's it, true. It's facial symmetry, hands, water, and fire. <laughs> and they're feet. all oh, and feet. Don't God, not yeah. Don't don't ever forget feet.
1: <laughs> Animator your feet. Yep. <laughs> and uh, since we're there, uh, I also want to see if you spotted at least. I think I counted five instances of reused uh, footage and or reference material from earlier Disney movies.
0: Yeah, I think so. Like, the dance looks like it's from Snow White. You,
1: Yeah, you would have famously seen the comparison of the Snow White dance. Yeah. I
0: believe. But uh, I'm personally okay with it because Snow White sucks.
1: Oh, I don't object to the reuse. I, I just find it interesting. It's like a little trivia thing now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you remember how I told you to stick a pin in Baloo and King Louie dancing?
0: Yes. And
1: did you maybe notice that when Little John was dancing with Lady Cluck? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they reused a lot of that. There is also uh, the Jazz Cats from Aristocats popped up in this for some flute playing and uh, a, a rabbit playing the drums who mercifully manages to avoid the stereotype. <laughs> he's got big buck teeth because he's a rabbit. Yeah. So they redeemed that design, I guess. And they didn't have him do anything stupid with chopsticks or symbols. Anyway, and a couple of others which I, I can't quite bring to mind now, but yeah, we, we got a lot of, of reused footage in here. But also I don't care because I feel
0: like this is the best version of all of those things. Everything you make is practice <laughs> for the next thing you make. Absolutely. For example, I'm a younger brother. <laughs> 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 I don't like that. Point is that Disney reusing animation is the opposite of scandalous.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's not even like self plagiarization because it's not a like you know it's not like they've resold you this thing as a new thing and you're going to be disappointed because I I'm sure I saw two other characters using those same animations for dancing in a bit part of another movie very similar to this like. It's it's such a non-issue, it's hilarious.
0: Yeah, it's it's silly.
1: <laughs> I, I was also gratified to note that Little John looks less like Baloo than he could have, frankly. Like, he's a different kind of bear. He's got a shorter muzzle and it's a distinctly different shape. And his eyes are quite different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of cool. It would have been so easy to just make him the same fucking character
0: design. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> he definitely has the same butt. <laughs>
0: Also, I have a note here of Big Doughy Bag of Yogurt Body from Little John.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, there's some of that big quality saggy Disney butt going on there.
0: So, I'm not good at this particular topic. I feel that discussing fatness in media is something specifically outside of my wheelhouse. But I do know some guys who are into fat guys. And I just can't help but look at Little John and go, is this a starting point? Because, like... (laughs) I don't find Little John hot, but I can definitely see how Little John carries himself with this kind of easygoing, casual confidence that he knows he's hot. <laughs> right? Am I, am I, am yeah, I making yeah. stuff up yet? <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: you're right. And he's he's also, like, he's a really lovable character. And part of that is his physicality. Mm. He's he's cuddly. Yeah. He, he'd be
0: really nice to hug. Except when he has bizarre metal boobs. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think those are a deal breaker. <laughs> also, he stuffed the hubcaps up the back of his skirt.
1: He did. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, look, the disguise is extra dimensional. I think we can all see that. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> I love how he already had gigantic fake boobs and yet was still able to drain the treasure chest <laughs> into the boob space. <laughs> it's just a void going on there, man.
0: Mm-hmm. And or post. he
1: jettisoned something somewhere else. He had some ballast.
0: And of course, we have the dark mirror to Little John, which is the Sheriff of Nottingham.
1: Yeah, the Sheriff.
0: First name Sheriff, last name Nottingham.
1: Ah, uh, look, that's going to happen a lot with these characters. Shall we do a brief aside rather than <laughs> me bringing this up in whatever land? Uh, did you notice the heart that Robin Hood carved in the tree? No. Ah, with their initials in it.
0: Is it R-H-M-M?
1: Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> these are their actual names, apparently. Oh. <laughs> a given name is made,
0: <laughs> which is especially funny because, like, it's a well-established point of tradition. What his name is, and it's not Robin Hood. It, no, it's
1: <laughs> it's uh, well, it's Robin of Locksley. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, let's I guess wrap it up by saying this is another one that's that's rough and sketchy as hell in the line art. Yeah. I don't care. I love it.
0: Yeah, this this movie looks really good. The backgrounds match the animation really excellently well. Um, and this is not really like its own segment or a part of Swaggle Watch per se, but this movie was fucking influential in just <laughs> lots of different oh, that's
1: ways. Say so there is a very cheap-looking bit where they they do like a crossfade. With a transparent Prince John being evil yeah. in the foreground and they fade that into the next scene and it's just a freeze frame of his animation. Yeah. It's not not the best. You can see the budget showing through in a lot of places, but
0: Ooh, speaking of budget. <laughs> I mean,
1: I just cannot hold that against this movie. It's it's not fair for me to try and judge it. I love it so much.
0: Yeah, this is down to your bones. Yeah, exactly. Whereas in my case it's not, so I can feel free to yell at it. <laughs>
1: Well, look, I've I've definitely been thinking about it critically this time around, which is why I have some <clears throat> issues to raise when we get to the main event.
0: Which I think is now.
1: Have we reached the main event? All right. Do you want to go first or shall
0: I? Death to fucking kings. <laughs> Death to tyrants! <laughs> exactly. <laughs> which means that one bad king and not the other king. No. Or the system that put the king in place. That king is
1: good. <laughs> you can tell because he went on the crusades.
0: Yeah, so... Yikes! This is this is a... Well, he didn't want to. Uh, this is a neutralized narrative. This is taking a established narrative that was for one group of people, and I suspect you've got more on this, and translating it across to the new current dominant zeitgeist. This is the thing America does with everything. America makes everything's stories about America.
1: And in this sense, it does... It's thematically resonant. With the extremely American country music, yeah, uh, going on in this, like it, you, you might not notice that the themes have also had this done to them, but they really have. Yeah, like numerous times, uh, the the sheriff and Prince John refer to the people of the village as peasants. Yeah, <laughs> but peasants don't pay taxes. No, because peasants don't have money.
0: Peasants, peasants are property. Peasants work
1: for a local lord and don't own anything. Because it's his land, and he gets taxed by the king, and it's no coincidence that he, the local lord, is who Robin Hood was written for originally. Yeah. Not for peasants.
0: Now, he was written as distributing gold to peasants.
1: Sure, sure, but Talon, what is his name? We've spoken about this already. Yeah. What is his title?
0: He's Robin of Loxley. He
1: is earl of locksley yeah he is a noble
0: yep which is also another one of those naturalization things because of course the fact that he was a noble well america doesn't like nobles necessarily though they're okay with kings (laughs) uh it's nonetheless that this 1970s americanization wants to demonize taxes Mm -hmm. and not corrupt lords in the same way The sheriff is a bad guy because he is enforcing taxes and the taxes are being put to a task of just being a pile of money in a room, which that's exactly how a particular kind of libertarian mindset sees Mm -hmm. American taxation as being.
1: And they're being extracted from everyday people who are just trying to make a living. They have businesses. They have families. They, for some reason, are the ones who have money in this setting.
0: And don't get me wrong, it's excellent use of storytelling function to have, for example, the sheriff come and steal a farthing from a child or uh, from a church poor box. That's
1: magnificently petty.
0: Yeah, that's great. That works perfectly well for what it's doing. But the fact that the vision of the bad thing is not the Lord is using this to, for example, fund a crusade... (laughs) <laughs> but is instead much more about no. He just gets the money and sits on a pile of it. Yeah, which doesn't fucking mean anything. It's now don't get me wrong. The, the everything about Little John is like he's bad. He is bad at everything about himself. Prince John. Yeah, sorry. Little John's good. He's yeah, sorry, Prince and John probably
1: sexy if you like big guys.
0: Yeah, my bad. I apologize, Little John and Little John apologists. That's you know, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to diss your boy.
1: If you got the other kind of furry fetish from this film, we apologize.
0: But prince john specifically is bad at everything about himself and so hypothetically you can also extrapolate and say hey look that means that he's bad at taking in taxes but he's not bad at accumulating them he's definitely got the money but he doesn't do anything with it and that i think plays into a very american vision of taxation like taxes mm, aren't mm, money definitely for things taxes is just the government taking money off you
1: yeah it's, it's probably going in a big pile where some baby is going to be like, I love the money. ha! Ah, I enjoyed taking the money. They're, you know, they're definitely not used for infrastructure or, you know, public works or <laughs> making sure
0: everyone can eat similarly you look at the way that weapons are talked about their language for talking about weapons is the language of guns
1: oh all the slang in this is intensely american yeah there's i, I mentioned a few of them earlier but like every uh every bit of slang that the sheriff what is crime netly? some kind of southern thing i guess but <laughs> it's probably an alabama food or something
0: <laughs> i don't actually know that one
1: Ah, uh, Ganda, uh, let me see, what do we got? Jehoshaphat. Oh yeah. We got pea Shooter, that's the they're definitely guns.
0: Yeah. Yep. And I mean, part of that is also you've got a couple of incredibly Alabama actors to do major roles, and that's okay. I'm not sitting here going, no, they need to be they need to be British to no, make this yeah. right. I'm just saying the the use of what was done in this movie shows a different mindset to the original vision of Robin Hood, and this mindset is pro-king. Anti-taxation.
1: <laughs> uh, consider, on, on the note of weapons being talked about uh, in the language of guns, think about foley in this movie for a second. Mm. Think about mm. ricochet noises. Yeah,
0: the arrows ricochet like bullets. <laughs> which
1: just straight out of cowboy. Well, not like bullets, but like bullets in movies about cowboys, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> yep. And when we don't have American like country folk going on here, we have fucking 70s funk going on oh yeah which is amazing to me I yeah i love the hell out of that oh and the football scene yes oh my god like let me just say i adore that entire sequence that's some of my favorite disney slapstick ever
0: yeah i'm, I'm not dunking on that <laughs> especially when you look at the actual like the narrative of football and i'm not i'm not gonna break out <laughs> gina bloom i'm not gonna do it But when you look at the narrative of it as this militarized encounter, effectively what you have there is Lady Cluck as like, I am both defending the ball and I am the ball. Yeah, there's a couple of scenes where she definitely is the ball. And that's really (laughs) dope. So the whole thing gets to be translated into this sort of like, what does the actual ballet, what is football to a ball? You know what, come to think of that,
1: I should have put that in the double take. Because as a child, when have I ever seen American football? (laughs) I didn't know what any of that was about. I did not get what they were doing with that scene. I still loved it. Partly because Lady Clark is a fucking boss. She's
0: terrifying. She's She's great. great. (laughs) I had had no idea this character was just hiding in the Disney canon somewhere. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Holy crap. Uh,
1: I always loved her. She was one of those things which made me feel okay about being a fat kid, you know? Mm. Like, granted, Robin Hood was who I was dressing up as, but yeah. that's going to be a theme for me for my entire <laughs> childhood years. I, there were no girls in my uh, my party costume repertoire, let me tell you that. <laughs> but I respected Lady Clucky, and I admired her.
0: Also, in this grand thesis of the whole Americanization uh, and, you know, chosen for roles, like, the, the, the fact that you are an animal... And there's certain inherent traits to being an animal and animals tended towards... Like, you didn't see a lot of animals that did different things. All the elephants were guards. All oh, the rhinos yeah. were guards. Well, that's true. The turtles were all peasants. The raccoons are all peasants and so on and so forth. But we see two lions and one of them is a good king and one of them is a bad king. And the bad king doesn't have a mane, is skinny doesn't fit his clothes
1: oh yeah we've got some classic fop villain coding here yeah he, he's a sissy little inadequate lion
0: yeah and you have essentially he you get that inherent vision of of you know, capacity coupled with the fact that well you know he's bad at it and we can tell by looking at him which has the like understated kind of vision that look some people are just born to do these things and they're going to be good at it and the people who aren't are going to suck.
1: So uh, what you're saying is that as far as brains go, he got the lion's share. But when it comes to brute strength, he was in the shallow end of the gene pool.
0: Yeah. <sighs> I'm sure that'll
1: never come up. It it works better. Yeah. For a movie length children's film.
0: Yeah. Definitely. That, that's another thing. Like I'm definitely talking about stuff that is appropriate to the child like story, but there are ways you could be doing it better. And also, like, obviously, I'm not going to be here for kings.
1: Yeah. Oh, no, I, I think we can all agree that kings are garbage and, and this would be much improved if it didn't end with Richard coming home. Um, though, I mean, this is still, still to be fair, better than the canonical ending of the Robin Hood story.
0: Such as it is.
1: And, uh, you know, likewise, uh, having him... He, he doesn't have to be a noble in this version. No. And it's a much better story if he's not. So, mm-hmm. like, that's great. He doesn't have to have important parents or, or like you know an estate somewhere or any of that junk
0: yeah or a spy network you don't have to try and make him into fucking batman <laughs> i've watched a lot of bad robin <laughs> there's, hood movies there's
1: so many bad robin hood movies it's it's kind of depressing that a children's movie from the 70s where he's a cartoon fox is one of the best versions arguably the best version
0: i've seen a version of the of robin hood where Tim Minchin plays Friar Tuck, and the movie was still ass. Mm. Anyway.
1: Everyone wants to be clever with their Robin Hood. It's
0: Don't have to be clever. Just good and nice. <laughs>
1: you know when like your Mark Wade comes in and is like, okay, I'm not going to deconstruct this. We're-, we're fixing this shit this time. Yeah. This is a reconstruction. That's the kind of Robin Hood movie I feel like. I agree. Or don't need, because I'll keep this one. It's always going to be... Well, that's how it really happened.
0: (laughs) I got some real good news for you. If you want a reconstruction and you want this movie. No,
1: you're not going to say it.
0: Announced last year.
1: No. Oh, my God. No.
0: Boasting about the use of the technology used in The Lion King.
1: Oh, God, I can't wait to see a version of this where they can't hold hands smoothly and no one has any facial expressions because they have to be realistically (laughs) (laughs) animal-shaped.
0: Well, would you like to flee from this horrible news?
1: Yes, take me away. Take me anywhere.
0: How about I take you to whatever land? (gasps) I can fly. Ooh, sparkles. (laughs) That's a a tingly... Does does that happen every time one of us says it? Uh, Don't worry about it. Whatever land. <clears throat> okay, we, we better not overuse our pixie dust budget for this season. <clears throat> After you. <laughs> I think we have the same first point. Do we? I don't think we do. My first point is the book isn't awful. Oh yeah. <laughs>
1: this is a positively tasteful storybook we open. Yep. Goodness me. Uh, well, yeah, no, you're right. But my first point was uh, Robin comes out of the carriage. Wearing the robe? Yeah. What happened in there?
0: He's a really good pickpocket.
1: <laughs> Why is Prince John in his underwear, but Robin doesn't appear to have his clothes?
0: A <laughs> 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 Really <don't>... good pickpocket.
1: <laughs> I'm not saying I need to know. Don't tell me, live action remake. Don't take this as something you need to make a YouTube
0: <laughs> response video to. Oh my God. Well, it is a known thing you can do. Like really good pickpockets can steal watches off your hand. <laughs> and belts off oh, your Oh, the body. rings, I believe. The yeah. belt, I believe. So, like, underwear is only a slight push.
1: <laughs> underwear is only a slight push. Lee, 2021.
0: The Crusades are treated as a foolish idea that someone had to be duped into doing.
1: I mean, that's a better representation of the Crusades than most, yeah. frankly. Like, at least it's a fool's errand that goes badly. Uh sheriff upon stealing Skippy's birthday present describes it as being wrapped up all perfectly purr- like I had no idea what he was saying for a while
0: this fucking time I noted that in that scene that the sheriff of Nottingham has real good ha ha fuck you skeleton <laughs> energy
1: I uh, I refer you also to permit me a cruel chuckle <laughs> these villains do enjoy being villains and, and
0: god knows I like that in my Disney the when when robin hood and little john are trying to wave down the royal carriage they say get the dope with your horoscope they
1: do yes
0: wow that term <laughs> is older than i thought it's
1: very 70s <laughs> apparently yeah <laughs> um uh, the uh the initial escape scene swinging up into the tree jesus christ the upper body strength and the thighs of iron on this fox yep oh my god
0: that's why he can jump so well <laughs> It must be. I really like the way that stupid children are used to exposit all the early plot, because children watching the movie will be able to appreciate that, and also, you don't get the effect of adults explaining stuff that other adults should know.
1: You are absolutely right, and I love the way that, in doing that, they also used it to establish Marion and Clucky as actual three-dimensional characters as well. Yeah, they're nice! I love that scene! I was watching the Aristocats last time. I was sitting here going, how am I so pissed off at these three fucking children taking up so much screen time when I know I love Robin Hood and it has almost the same three children? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, We'll have to check on those voices later. (laughs) One of them is. One of them is for sure, yes. I suspect at least one of the other ones is, but we didn't find credits for them last time. Uh Anyway, but no, it turns out that it's still a good scene because the children are minimally stupid. And is being used for multiple things at once. And like, God, Marion is charming.
0: Robin uses the line, faint heart never won fair lady.
1: (laughs) Ah yes, in excusing his choice to do a stupid thing. Yeah. Because he likes a girl.
0: Now, that phrase is, depending upon who you ask, uh, either attributed to, well, it's attributed to Queen Elizabeth. Oh. But also, maybe not. That might be apocryphal. But where I first heard it, and where it has always sat in my mind, because it's a—it's apparently an aphorism that's lasted yeah, yeah, a long yeah, time. Yeah.
1: He's obviously quoting someone here. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, it's from a Gilbert and Sullivan operetta, oh. and the actual song is one of those ones that often gets extracted and just used as its own song, especially by people who want to show off. Because it's not a patter song, but it is a song which has got like some guts to it, and it's actually got like—it doesn't need the whole goddamn play around it to make sense of it.
1: it's a universal enough sentiment Mm -hmm.
0: but because of the nature of librettos it never gets called that it gets called by its first line which is what gilbert and sullivan's songs all are known right right. which is why you get such unhelpful titles as am i alone and unobserved which you'd never guess that that's a song about (laughs) fucking fruits
1: what could go wrong everybody remembers the way a song starts better than any other part of a song right
0: Mm. and this one is known as if you go in, you're sure to win. Yours will be the charming maidie Be your law, the ancient saw. Faint heart never won fair lady. Every journey has an end. When at the worst affairs will mend. Dark the dawn when day is nigh. Hustle your horse and don't say die. It is a properly fun little <laughs> song about stop being such a goddamned wuss, you opera protagonist. <laughs>
1: well, our protagonist is never going to have this problem because he is down for whatever.
0: <laughs> it also includes the Gilbert and Sullivan phrase, none but the brave deserve the fair, which I thought was a very nice... Nut- well, like, yeah, ignore yeah. the values. The <laughs> yeah. word play is, is... I love it. Yeah, fair
1: enough. I, I hope you'll uh, excuse me if I'm going to keep attributing it to Queen Elizabeth in my mind, because coming from her, it's definitely a threat, right?
0: Well, the narrative associated with it in Queen Elizabeth's case is a king, I think, of Spain, sent her a letter, which was a very popular romantic style of the time, which was a long treatise on how how his feelings trembled in his breast, and he was so overwhelmed with his love and his want for her that he was afraid to even dare say it. And she sent back just... Faintheart never won fair lady. And like, as far as like clapbacks go, that's pretty baller. Also, she was a monster. So uh...
1: And it probably was a threat. (laughs) Ah, I tried so hard to work out a way to do that cup trick. (laughs) The sheriff does. (laughs) He makes it look so easy. This couldn't have anything to do with the fact that it's a cartoon. It must be doable in real life. I'm gonna do it.
0: I, uh, you're gonna hate me if I tell you you can do it, right?
1: I'm sure you can do it, but you probably need someone to instruct you on it.
0: Yeah. Or just a trick cup. It's a gimmicked cup, yeah. yeah. It's, it's a well-known trick. Uh, in fact, it's a trick you use so people don't see it happen. <laughs> anyway.
1: Yeah, anyway. <laughs> Young Fox spent some wasted hours on that.
0: Nobody can give more than their last farthing. Ha 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 ha. Fuck you.
1: I mean, it's kind of a stupid sentiment because like if it's going in the poor box. You're poor. They now have no money. That you can't see me like swinging my hands back and forth for like <laughs> thing from A, thing from B.
0: John Travolta like, looking around yeah. GIF. Uh Yeah, it's kind of dumb. It is a Protestant worship of self-abnegation. It is pure bullshit. When you have, it's the story of the widow's might for anyone who wants to look this up in their, in their, uh, Bibles. The narrative of a widow who gives the last of her money is said as to being, you know, she gave more than all of these other wealthy men. No, she fucking did it. She gave more than she needed to because they needed to be giving their money to her. Jesus, you shit.
1: <laughs> you may have, yes, it's a very nice gesture. a Very stupid gesture. Yeah. That just makes things worse and, uh, forgives other people for not picking up the slack
0: fun bit of extra American Protestantism that gets attached to this. It was really common for people to tell the story and then the widow died.
1: Well then nobody can can help her, so doesn't that conveniently, you know, end that little cul-de-sac. Yeah. I was pleased to note that Prince John correctly uses the phrase to coin a phrase mm. the first time. And then incorrectly uses the phrase to coin a phrase the second time. It can't mean both things, John. Get a clue.
0: This creates the impression that John is, again, terrible at everything. Like, even when he stumbles into being smart, he's dumb. And note that the king is crap, and king hires nothing but crap guards. Everyone involved in his association who is in some position of authority is bad at their jobs. The guards can't tackle one person. The the, the elephants don't get out of the way. The archers who are only a few feet away from robin hood can't hit him
1: the elephants are in a tower to be fair
0: yeah, fair but the point is king john's incompetence rolls downhill
1: i didn't see most of them as being incompetent uh outside of the ones who are obviously incompetent
0: little john saws a hole in the bottom of a chest in front of two guards who are in a position to be looking at him
1: yeah, but this is treated as being there doing something clever and cunning. Sure. And if the guards are stupid, that sort of doesn't that sort of undermines that.
0: But the like, problem is they didn't do anything to hide the guards. The guards are just there off screen.
1: No, no, you're right. But I I don't feel that we're supposed to take it as that the guards are all stupid and useless. Yeah, fair enough. I think we're supposed to see them as legitimate threats. I mean they do almost get to kill Robin Hood. Speaking of almost getting to kill Robin Hood, no, I'm not going to talk about fetishes again. (laughs) But uh, I I like the golden arrow showing up in this (laughs) because, like in other stories, that's like the focal point of the like a big deal is made of this. In the Disney version, it doesn't even get mentioned no. before they pull it out. And it's like, oh, okay, there's an actual prize as well. It's been entirely about the kiss this
0: whole time. The crocodile who delivers the line and who's running the event. <laughs> what
1: an amazing voice on that motherfucker.
0: That voice is the voice of a man named Candy Candido. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, uh, Candy Candido was a radio announcer who was who had what they called a four octave voice. I don't know if that's good and was famous for beginning in falsetto and then dropping down low for his famous line, I'm feeling rather low. And that's apparently all you need to be a famous person on radio.
1: I, To be fair, four octaves is, is not at all unimpressive. Um, I wouldn't know. I've heard of six octaves, uh, I think.
0: Surely there are eight. But
1: that's like, you know, Freddie Mercury
0: style. Oh, okay.
1: I and you know this, cis women do not normally get to do this at all because you just don't have a like a big enough uh, uh, chest and vocal cords for the most part. So like, well, mm-hmm. cis guys can usually get away with some pretty screeching falsettos because you can always stretch chords yeah. to expand your range if if you keep working at it and you know there's no external factor getting in your way. But there's a limit to how deep a sound you can make, <laughs> and mm. it's a very physical limit. Uh anyway, like. Guy had an impressive voice. I think we can safely say that. Movie has a secret hideout behind the waterfall. Correct.
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) Uh, Sexton, Little Sister, the the other church mouse, I do believe is the voice of Meriwether from Sleeping Beauty. Uh, I haven't looked this up. I'm just going to leave that hanging there and I guess we'll find out one day. Uh, Sexton, of course, is friend of the podcast, Sterling Holloway. Yep. (laughs) Who I thought was Fryer Tuck at first. They have a similar sound to them. They really do. I, I mentioned previously that there was someone I was thinking of who was like him, but I wasn't sure. And that was Fryer Tuck.
0: Mm-hmm. Fox got to see a picture of Saxon Holloway today.
1: <laughs> He's a bit of a scary looking dude. Yeah. Uh, I love the mice in the wedding scene. Throwing <laughs> entire grains of rice.
0: It has a different energy, doesn't it? It does! <laughs>
1: I enjoyed it a lot. I also didn't understand that as a child. Come to think of it, because yeah. like rice at weddings is sort of an old-fashioned thing. I, yeah. I'd never seen that as a child.
0: Like... I don't get why people did it.
1: <laughs> no, it's. I'm sure it has some kind of rural uh, roots that goes back to God knows when and some kind of superstition. But for now, I'm just going to enjoy <laughs> these mice with like four
0: grains of rice in their arms. Trying to ask too many questions about how 13th century mice had access to rice. <laughs>
1: And I didn't. What did she got?
0: So, I have one last one. The phony king of England. Uh Uh-huh. Would you like to know that that's a filk? Is it now? Yeah. Oh, based on what? The bastard king of England.
1: Oh, okay, yeah, that's fair enough.
0: (laughs) Which could not be put in the film, because (laughs) the first verse talks about how much the king jerks off. (laughs) It is a song full of, effectively, here is this king of England who goes on a tour around all of Europe, has sex with a variety of different male and female monarchs and gets a sexually transmitted disease from everyone.
1: Oh, wow.
0: <laughs> the,
1: That's amazing.
0: The origin of this piece of music is actually unknown. Many people attribute it to Rudyard Kipling, but then say that he wouldn't he wouldn't admit to it because he wouldn't get knighted, and then he wasn't knighted. But also, if it was his work, it would be like the most popular thing he did. So, who knows? But yeah, uh, it, it is. It is very easy to draw parallels between the structures of the two songs and some of the rhymes.
1: Mm, how fun! So uh, that would be the the John the First, the John the Worst,
0: I believe. So. <laughs> It's hard to find a uncorrupted version of the of the piece. <laughs>
1: sure, sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh well then I will I will bring it home with two phrases from amongst the many many particular line deliveries of this that just became things I would reference for the rest of my life, which are going to be you mean thing <laughs> and seize the fat one. <laughs> Thank you, Robin Hood. You you formed a significant part of my life.
0: Well, do you know the best way to thank a Disney movie?
1: <laughs> is it?
0: Money, my Money! boy. Box office take for this movie.
1: Uh, do I you... feel like this is going to hurt. I'm pretty sure this was critically panned, uh, and in retrospect is often like collectively regarded as one of Disney's worst films from possibly ever, despite that I have never spoke to anyone who doesn't like this movie. <laughs> I feel like this might be one of those where there's just a gulf of, of opinion between critics and viewers, uh, cause I'm pretty sure this got fucking slaughtered in reviews. And I assume therefore did not make a whole lot of money, but I'm certain it's gonna redeem itself in re-releases and home video sales.
0: Radio. Ready for it? Ready to pull off the band-aid?
1: Oh, I didn't guess at its budget, did I? Um... It's cheap. I don't know if it's cheaper than Aristocats, though. Um, I'm going to say it's more or less the same.
0: All right. You are right. And for what it's worth, the prices ever since Dumbo have kind of just been on a steady increase. We haven't had any sharp ups or downs aside from our After Sleeping Beauty.
1: This has a broken five, has it?
0: This is the first five million to make. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, again, that's paying an animation studio for three years, so...
1: Sure, sure. And, I mean, you know, if nothing else, there is a world happening around these movies. Inflation is happening. Yep. So, uh, you know, they will creep up.
0: It made $9.6 in just rentals in the United States. It made $18 million in the first foreign territory releases that Ooh. happened live, which was England and Canada.
1: That's the first time that we've gotten, uh international statistics how exciting yep so disappointing in america but disappointing uh,
0: nine million
1: didn't aristocats take 15 or something stupid eh, yeah,
0: yeah, but aristocats sucks ass point is exactly <laughs> point is this movie made 27 million and was regarded as a wild success economically speaking yeah its second release which was only a couple of years later was 32 million
1: shit that's lots Yep. Yeah, but- okay i'm really happy about that The critics did
0: pan it, right? Oh my god, they fucking flensed it! Yeah. Jaycox of Time. Even at its best, Robin Hood is only mildly diverting. There is not a single moment of hilarity or deep, eerie fear that the Disney people used to be able to conjure up, or of the sort of visual invention that made the early features so memorable. Robin Hood's basic problem is that it is too pretty and... Good natured.
1: Oh, eat shit, you miserable cunt.
0: Gene Siskel, who I am not going to do a funny voice for because, like, I watched the guy on TV and I don't think I could do a good impersonation of him. Yeah. 80 minutes of pratfalls and nincompoop dialogue.
1: (laughs) I mean, that's not totally Uh, untrue.
0: But also... He neglects
1: to mention that it's great fun because of that.
0: Well, he gave it one and a half stars out of four for that. But, no, it's four out of four stars. Four... (laughs) <laughs> 80 minutes of pratfalls and nincompoop dialogue damn straight John Baxter of the Monthly Film Bulletin wrote for the most part the film is as bland and one dimensional as the product of less sophisticated studios and except for Peter Ustinov's plummy Prince John the voice characterizations are as insipid as the animation is unoriginal how dare you <laughs> A bunch of Americans who don't know what to do with a British voice actor.
1: How could you look straight into the eyes of this Robin Hood and call his voice performance anything other than fantastic?
0: It's so good. Oh, it's so good. Judith Crist in the New York Magazine said it was nicely tongue-in-cheek without an insult to the intelligence of either child or adult. It has class in the fine cast that gives both voice and personality to the characters in the bright and brisk dialogue in its overall concept. Yeah, that was a positive one. Well done, her. Vincent Canby of the New York Times wrote that it should be a good deal of fun for toddlers whose minds have not yet shriveled into orthodoxy.
1: (laughs) I feel like
0: that's a positive
1: one. Yep.
0: I like that. He also called it charmingly conventional.
1: (laughs) I think that's fair. Like, this is not a groundbreaking movie in any way. It just happens to be great fun.
0: Dave Billington of the Montreal Gazette, and oh, I wish I was good enough to do a Montreal accent. Uh... (laughs)
1: We'll forgive you for not being able to do a specific regional accent (laughs) of a country you've never
0: visited. As a film, Robin Hood marks a comeback of sorts for the Disney people. Ever since the old maestro died, the cartoon features have shown distressing signs of a drop in quality. Looks at Aristocats. eh.
1: (laughs) I mean, it's not really fair since there's only been one since Disney died.
0: Both in artwork and in voice characterization. But the blending of appealing cartoon animals with perfect voices for the part makes Robin Hood an excellent evening out for the whole family. Also writing in New York Magazine, Ruth Gilbert called it a sweet, funny, slam-bang, good-hearted Walt Disney feature cartoon with a fine cast and it was a feast for the eyes of kiddies and Disney nostalgics so the critics were wildly divided on this yeah okay it's rotten tomatoes rating is 54 percent how dare you (laughs) however get your shit together internet it is largely responsible in ethnography for the launching of a definitive clarifying point for the furry movement it wasn't the first furry work it's just the first thing that whole bunch of furries went oh that yeah that that thing there (laughs) um and sec- and subsequently like, the voice like
1: jungle book but what if they all stood up and wore clothes that'd be a bit more comfortable you know what if, what if they were hot <laughs> what what if this was the sexy fox what if this was the fox i was supposed to find fuckable
0: <laughs> and it was and the heavenly choir <laughs> They kind of missed the mark with Marion. Like she's fine; I I have no complaints about her. But you know, everyone everyone's here for Robin. She's kind of gorgeous, but
1: she's more conventional. Yeah, he's interesting because he's a really different (laughs) hero. Sorry, I know it's fine. You are. I am going to keep being serious. You you can just get your Mister Giggle pants out over there. What's so funny, Talon? Talon, what's so
0: funny? Anyway, the critical reaction and reception to it. Is funny because, in hindsight, like some of those people are doing re reviews of it in the 80s. Yeah. And, like, I get it if you're a movie critic and you want to, like, I have to take a serious approach to this stuff. But, like, imagine in the 80s writing about Robin Hood, which at this point is just destroying shit. On the VHS market. (laughs) And that's one of the things that's going to come up in a lot of this box office from here on
1: out. Uh, Yeah, I like how we never actually went into discussing home rentals and stuff. We only talked about the re-release.
0: Prior to this point, we hadn't had a lot of immediate release for that stuff. A lot of these movies prior to now were primarily measuring their success in terms of box office sales. And that's a practice that kind of falls off as home media comes in and it doesn't start up again until such time as Disney are really showing off, which is when the renaissance happens.
1: Well, yeah, yeah. But I mean, uh, for a lot of these films, certainly for the the more prominent one, they have gone back and like added uh, home video sales statistics yeah. to these pages. Like we had numbers for Cinderella's yeah, yeah. lifetime earnings based on, on home video and stuff like that. So... Like, that's what I'm thinking. It's not that they would have those numbers at the time. I mean, who had a VCR in the 70s?
0: I didn't bother doing that research for a lot of them. I just wanted to compare and contrast the, you know, immediate reaction. Because we know that all these movies are enduring classics. We know these movies are almost all amazingly popular and successful. And they part of that is the fact that they are part of the Disney juggernaut. And part of that is because they also are just really resonant and good. (laughs) Except the bit part one. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. I... You know what? I
1: should check and see if those even got VHS releases. Like, I feel like they must have released them at some point, but like, I'd never see any of those on a shelf in a video shop. I, sorry, that's a that's what we call blockbusters. Um, I just, I'm I'm curious to know now. Maybe they never actually did.
0: Yeah, it, w- it would be a genuinely interesting thing to know. I suspect, given that this is the period of the Disney Vault. If you remember that, the oh, idea yeah, they would only definitely. sell certain VHS at certain times.
1: Boy, was I lucky to have a copy of this as a child. <laughs> Why are you laughing, Talon? Is it because the first three scenes we watched, I was like, oh, there's where the ad break goes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so that was, uh, that was your Robin Hood.
1: That was Robin Hood. I don't know about you, but I had a great
0: time. <sighs> I'd love to be more aloof about this and be more delvingly critical or have some deep insight. But you heard me watching this movie. I was laughing my ass off.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I guess what is there left to say? Except, uh, you know, listener, if this movie also made you a furry or made you realize that you also enjoyed seeing charming heroes with lovely British accents get tied up and emberled, Uh I hope
0: you feel seen. There is one thing. That doesn't really fit anywhere else. But there was a name in the credits that you pointed out. That was the first time you said you'd seen.
1: Oh yes, how could I have forgotten? I I don't know if this is actually the first or if I and I missed it in previous uh, movies. But this is the first time I spotted Don Bluth's name as one of our character animators.
0: It was his first work with Disney.
1: It was his first. Hey hey, good on me. Uh well, you know that uh, that man clearly has skills. I'm sure he's going to be a tremendous asset to disney especially in these dark times where they're struggling to to regain their mojo uh what could possibly go
0: wrong Mm. up next (sighs) two princes stand before you
1: right i've been guessing the rescuers again and again
0: Mm. Uh, this is the first time where two movies got released in the same year (gasps) oh okay and you are right one of them's the rescuers one of them is the rescuers
1: okay what else would it be from this time period? I'm I'm running out of uh, looming large in my mind is the fox and the hound because that's what uh, Disney Plus showed us at the end of this. But we also noted at that point that it was actually 1981, yeah. despite feeling much older. So I'm I'm racking my brains for what else. Feel- oh no, I know what it is. It's, it's the other weird exception that nobody would think is in the Disney animated canon. It's the fucking Winnie the Pooh movie.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: Got there. The
0: many adventures of Winnie the Pooh, which the second you know that it's from this era (laughs) and you know about the Xerography, it's like, well, no, of course that's a Disney movie. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, this is from exactly when this would show up.
1: What else would it be? Disney definitely had Winnie the Pooh at this stage. Um, well, uh, which one do you want to do first, I guess? I
0: leave this choice up to you.
1: <gasps> Princess, Princess kneel before me?
0: Yes. Mm. Do you want to go through what is inevitably going to bore the shit out of me? Or more Eva Gabor being sexually French and know that we also need to then go back to Winnie the Pooh? It's
1: probably better to get the Pooh out of the way first,
0: isn't it? <laughs> My mother always said that. <laughs> <laughs> alright, alright, it is decided... Next episode, we shall delve into Pooh.
1: See you there. masterfully elusive sermon tattle tyrants impetuous coup d'etat blackguard loathing protocol caboodle lofty inept phony groveling, insolent, inclined, genial, corpulent cleric, desist, hayride, and procrastinating.